Good morning, Skillman Church of Christ, and a very special thank you to our sisters and brothers at the Marcellus Avenue Church of Christ for the opportunity to sing with you all today. I've got to say, this is powerful singing, and I can speak for the entire church family and say we are so thankful. We've been so blessed. Thank you again, and we'll continue to pray for you all uh, during this unprecedented time in our world. So uh, welcome uh, to another week in our series at looking at the themes of hope and justice in the book of Isaiah. If you are a visitor today, we are so honored to have you join us online. We are a community of faith here in Dallas who love and follow the teachings of Jesus. We want to live by faith, advocate hope, and be known by our love. And we're currently in a season right now as a church where we're orienting our teachings and our activities towards the theme of hope and how we can be advocates of hope. And I'm so grateful for this because I really feel that the world needs some hope right now. We all need some hope, a message of hope. As an individual, as a community, we need a voice that reminds us during this crazy time in human history that eventually we will overcome this. I mean, who needs to, to hear this? If we all, if all we're doing is watching the news or if we spend just a few seconds on Facebook, it's easy to fall into a deep, dark pit of hopelessness and despair. It's easy to become cynical and anxious. We are to the point in this pandemic where we're beginning to feel the pains of disconnection. I mean, watching church in our pajamas, it's lost its allure. I mean, it's not new or exciting anymore, and we need some hope to bring us through. I mean, all the, all the parents and teachers out there, we need some hope too because school is supposed to start in, in less than a month from now and I saw this funny meme on the internet this past week about how parents and teachers may be feeling about the current options for school right now. <laughs> I mean, none of it sounds good. I, I thought this was a pretty funny depiction. But we need a reminder that God has not abandoned us. And not only that, but that God is still at work and that there's meaning to our lives. And despite the uncertainty, the ambiguity, and the turmoil, all of this is heading somewhere. And this is where the book of Isaiah comes in. Because Isaiah was living in a crazy time himself. His nation, Judah, was being threatened by opposing nations who wanted to conquer them. And early on in Isaiah's ministry, it was the Assyrians who were knocking on the doorstep but it was eventually the Babylonians who became so powerful, they overtook the Assyrians and conquered Judah, destroying Jerusalem and sending the people of Israel into exile. In the book of Isaiah, this book is honest. It's raw. And it blatantly calls out what Judah did to contribute to their demise and what they were doing wrong. And yet at the same time, this book, it provides a vision of hope amidst turmoil. In fact, there are so many themes and images and metaphors of hope that we have adopted in the Christian faith. They come directly from the book of Isaiah. There is no other prophet referenced more in the New Testament than Isaiah. It is in the pages of Isaiah where we first hear about a virgin conceiving and giving birth. And within these poems is the first time we learn about a baby whose name will be Emmanuel or God with us. Written 700 years before Christ, we read in these pages that the government will be upon his shoulders and that he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. 
Things were bad in Isaiah's day, but Isaiah writes about a new heaven and a new earth, a new Jerusalem where God will reign. You see, Jesus and the New Testament authors, they pick up on this theme and they refer to this new day as the kingdom of God or, or the kingdom of heaven. And this particular kingdom talk, it occurs more than 100 times in the New Testament. It's this new reality built upon the principles of God rather than men. And what absolutely blows my mind about the collection of poems in the book of Isaiah is that these were written, again, more than 700 years before the birth of Christ. And yet so much of what is written in these pages can be applied today. If you have your Bibles today, we're going to be in the second chapter of Isaiah. The prophet here has a vision of what this kingdom or this new day will look like. I, I took the Beatles' advice and got a little help from my friends. So Nancy Smith will be reading the passage today and about what we can expect when the kingdom of God comes to full fruition. Good morning. My name is Nancy Smith, and this morning I will be reading from Isaiah chapter 2, verses 2 through 4. In the last days, the mountain of the Lord's temple will be established as the highest of the mountains. It will be exalted above the hills, and all nations will scream to it. Many peoples will come and say, Come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, and to the temple of the God of Jacob. He will teach us his ways, so that we may walk in his paths. The law will go out from Zion, the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. He will judge between the nations and will settle disputes for many peoples. They will beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation will not take up a sword against nation, nor will they train for war anymore. Thank you, uh, Nancy, so much for a great reading. And by the way, I absolutely love those beautiful flowers on your table. Um, you know, the verse that Nancy read, it's one of the most famous verses in all of Isaiah. You've probably heard it before. It would be on Isaiah's greatest hits album. And here Isaiah articulates a vision of what the kingdom of God looks like. It's a place where swords will be exchanged for plowshares and spears turned into pruning hooks. I mean, can you imagine this? I mean, in this new day, when the kingdom of God is fully realized, nation will not take up sword against nation, and there will be no war. My friends, this is something to hope for. We see in Isaiah this burst of imagination of, of where humanity could ultimately go, what it can look like when the kingdom of God is fully realized. And according to Isaiah, there will be a prince of peace that will bring about world peace. And the prophet Isaiah saw among his contemporaries this addiction to war, to dominance, to empire, the hoarding of weapons, and he called it out. With brutal honesty, he called it out. And then he projected this new vision of a new day with a new way of ordering things. And according to Isaiah, in this new world, where God is king. All of the energy, the time, the resources that are being put towards fueling the machine of war will be shifted towards tending the earth, the home in which we share, and making sure everyone has nourishing food to eat. No more war. 
and all the energy, the ingenuity, the innovation, the creativity that is put towards dominance, the development of weapons and violence, will be transferred into caring for each other, feeding each other, and making sure no one goes hungry. This is what God is up to, and it's a revolutionary shift in energy and mindset. The kingdom of God is about the plowshare and the pruning hook instead of the sword and the spear. And you see the plow, the pruning hook, they, they meant something to the people in that day. They were te- inventions or technologies developed in that day and age that cultivated and harvested food more efficiently and effectively so that more people would have something nourishing to eat. And we have to remember, too, that this chapter in Isaiah, it's a, it's a poem, and it's using poetic language. It doesn't mean that everyone in God's kingdom will eventually become farmers. But what Isaiah is talking about is a radical shift in mindset and the use of energies within society where people are not using their gifts and talents to develop better ways to fight and to keep some in power, to keep others oppressed, to dominate and to subjugate. But in the kingdom of God, in the world that Isaiah describes, people are using their gifts and talents to create systems and technologies that properly cultivate the earth's resources so that everyone can have enough. And here is where it gets interesting as Christians, because you see, Isaiah could only dream of this new reality. But when Jesus came, his arrival ushered in this new kingdom. In Luke 17, 20, Jesus says, the kingdom of God is already in our midst. And when Jesus is teaching his disciples to pray in Matthew 6, Jesus prays, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We are living in this time of tension between the now and the not yet. The kingdom of God is not yet fully realized. We haven't seen the full manifestation of when nation will not fight against nation. But as Christians, we know God's kingdom is in our midst. We have a partial representation and we are citizens of this kingdom and its principles can be applied to the here and to the now. But here's the problem that we face today. I mean, just like Isaiah, We live in a world that is still addicted to the sword and the spear, to violence and power and dominance. In fact, for those of us in the United States, we live in a country that benefits greatly from the sale of weapons all across the world. According to data from the Stockholm International Peace Research Institute, the global arms industry grew last year by 4.6%. Across the globe, the buying and selling of weapons is become a $420 billion dollar industry. I mean, U.S. companies alone account for 59% of the total weapon sales. In the top five weapon companies in the world, they're American companies like Lockheed Martin and Raytheon who have offices here in Dallas. And last year, the United States had sold Saudi Arabia 59,000 bombs for them to use in their conflict with Yemen. But this isn't just an American problem. This is a human problem. Because countries like Russia and China, they're lobbying too for a bigger piece in the global arms market. You see, the reality is we're still living in a world that's addicted to the sword and the spear. And a few weeks ago, we talked about the vineyard and how all of this is connected. I would imagine some of our current problems as a human population may stem from this love affair with the sword and the spear. And just like Isaiah was brutally honest in his time, we need to be brutally honest in our time. We cannot fully arrive into the new world until we have named and called out what is troubling about this current one. 
But as I hear these statistics, I also hear Jesus' prayer in my ear, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I hope for and I long for this new day to come, but at the same time, I pray that here and now, we can begin to see a radical shift in how we use our time and energy and resources. I mean, imagine a world where the, the smartest and the most talented engineers are working towards making sure everyone on earth has access to clean water instead of designing tanks and homing missiles. But what do we do with this, preacher? I mean, I'm not a, a world leader. I don't have control of the global arms market. I mean, what can, what can we do about this? Well, Jesus says that the kingdom of God is like a mustard seed. It starts small. A mustard seed is small but incredibly invasive. It starts with a shift in mindset within our own minds from an addiction to power, control, and empire to one that is concerned with generosity, hospitality, and empathy. It starts with teaching our children and grandchildren the ways and principles of the plowshare and the pruning hook instead of the sword and the spear, teaching them the ways of Jesus, the Prince of Peace. If you have time this week, do me a favor, Google this phrase, the myth of redemptive violence. Check it out on Google, read about it, give me a call or email me, tell me what you think. I'm, I'd be curious what you think and how it relates to the gospel. But God's kingdom in the here and now, it starts by making sure the people in our neighborhoods are cared for and have nourishing food to eat. And, and then that circle begins to widen to include people in our cities and state, our, our nation, and then our world. It also means praying for the Spirit to work in the lives of our world leaders so that across the globe we can see a shift from the ways of the sword and the spear to the plowshares and the pruning hook, which bring with it abundant care for all of humanity. It means also supporting leaders who support these kingdom principles. So my sisters and brothers of faith here at Skillman, this text today gives us great hope of what is to come. Our God, He is alive, and this world is heading to a place where eventually there will be no more wars, and when God's kingdom is fully realized. This text also gives us direction, mission, and purpose about the here and now. We can pray just like Jesus for the kingdom of God to come to the earth as it is in heaven, and we can do our best with the help of the Spirit to live the principles of the plowshare and the pruning hook instead of the sword and the spear, to use our lives to contribute to greater peace on earth. Let's live with this hope, my sisters and brothers of faith, during this challenging time. Let's put our faith and hope in the Prince of Peace, and let's continue to sing together.